everybody, and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am one of two Hannahs, Hannah Gelb, and uh, my excellent friend, Sammy Davis, is a special guest today uh, in lieu of Hannah Hart, who is being busy and important elsewhere. And my good friend Sammy has a PhD in marine ecology, and we talk about her journey in academia and how she kind of discovered mental health within that very stressful world. So um, it's very great and interesting. And we also talk a lot about Lord of the Rings. So enjoy. Oh my gosh, Sam Sam, it is such a wonderful pleasure and gift to have you on Analyze This Today. Uh, and I don't, let me just start by saying to everybody that Sammy Davis is my friend who gave me the Arwen necklace, <gasps> okay, as a gift, <gasps> and we had talked about it for 20 years. <laughs> just about, I think, last... I think 18, but really, too long. But like, this last Christmas, she handed me a box and was like, I got you a gift. And I was like, oh, and I opened it. And it was the freaking Arwen necklace. <laughs> so amazing. Wasn't it amazing too, because it was in like some piece of crap, like plastic wrap. Like it was just straight from the UPS. <laughs> and you were like, okay, here's a box <laughs> yes. of whatever. And then you open it and it's yes. like the Arwen necklace. <gasps> oh my God. It was so amazing. Ah. But yes, so Sam Sam, for you guys who are not aware, is my wonderful good friend who I met in high school. We've been friends for 20 years and we bonded over Lord of the Rings and nerdery and uh, yeah, we just wanted to like talk about being uh, a millennial in crisis, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The topic du jour. Sam Sam, yes. You, oh my God, you guys, I, all this time we've been sitting here and you've all been like, Sam's a normal person, huh? No, she is not. First of all, I should have introduced her as Dr. Sam because my friend Sam Sam has a PhD in fucking ocean ecology and she's been in school our entire lives. Literally. (laughs) It's true. Uh, so, Sam, Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in in the academic world, as we say? Okay, in the academic world. Um, okay, so or what? What kind of like? How did you? Because I remember when you were like, oh, I like the ocean. I'm going to major in <laughs> quantum biology. Yeah. And then what kind of? What the fuck happened to you? Made you <laughs> what made you? <laughs> how? No, no, no. I'm just so impressed because. I, as a person who does not plan <laughs> or look ahead or do research mm, of any mm, kind, mm, mm. Uh, I was not aware what grad school mm. was. And then you were like, I'm going to get a master's. <laughs> yeah, actually. Wait, I never. What did you go straight I went to your straight PhD? To PhD? I never got a master's. And I agree. Oh, I kind of agree with your friend that a master's depends on the circumstance. But I think a lot of masters are just like, kind of like sweatshop mills to like you pay and get a degree. And I don't know, like for a lot of fields depends on the field, but you may not be able to even do anything with the master's. So you might have to just go kind of all the way to the PhD. So you might as well, you can start with a master's and then advance to a PhD. It kind of depends, but anyway, that's kind of in the weeds. But I think your question is like, (laughs) how did I decide to do this? I'm like, why? Yes, because yes. that's a, such a huge decision. It's such and a scary huge, and- yeah. So, I mean, just briefly, I like thought about wanting to be, to do something to study the ocean. I mean, let's be real. I wanted to be a mermaid first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that was the first objective when I was three. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. And my mom did like a switcheroo and was like, why don't you be an oceanographer? And I was like, is it a mermaid? She's like, it's pretty, it's pretty close. You know, it's pretty close. So I was like, okay, I latched onto that. But then I kind of like, so I thought I wanted to do something studying the ocean since I was like, I don't know, three years old. And, but then I kind of abandoned the idea in some respect, or I kind of let it lay dormant um, and developed my other interests like Lord of the Rings. 
Um, and (laughs) like, you know, I just, in high school, I wasn't really particularly into sciences. I know we, you and I really had a hard time with chemistry in particular. Uh, (laughs) remember those days, like we struggled with chemistry and I think it was mostly because there was just no point. Um, and I struggled with math and science because there was just, I couldn't see like a point of it in high school. And I really, like, I loved a lot of our high school teachers, but I also had some real challenges with some. And because it was just, you know, we were just doing problems from a book to get ready to take a test at the end of the year. And it's just like, there's no way, nothing in that that's motivating. So I didn't actually, like, I didn't take, I think I took like the bare minimum of science and the bare minimum of math in high school, actually. Um, which I tell students about that now. And they're like, what? And the students now, these poor children are taking APs when they're like in eighth grade or something. It's nuts. Oh my God. It's so crazy, but we don't have to get into that. I just feel like I want to say that I was interested in like working in some capacity related to the ocean, but I had no idea what it was. And I also wasn't really super, didn't have strong skills in math and science. And I didn't develop them because I was afraid of math and science, to be frank. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, who this, isn't, yeah. I mean, and that's a, that's a um, sad thing because I think, <laughs> well, I think it's like there's, there's, there's utility and there's like, if you can find a way that it would be interesting and, and applicable to stuff that you're interested in, then it's like, it's not as much of a problem. But when you're just doing math problems, like remember they would just be like, do the odd problems in the back of the book and turn them in on Tuesday. Like what? Who is motivated by that? There's nothing. It's just like solve uh, these I mean, integrals. What? Mount Carmel, <laughs> Sun Devil Pride, Blue Ribbon School of Excellence. Not a not a terrible school, but definitely in the model of let's shovel these kids. Let's put let's feed these kids through this meat grinder of public education, and hopefully a few will come out the other side. But not really like. How do we connect with these yeah. kids? <laughs> and how, I mean, how, like, one thing that I'm interested in, we'll talk about at the end, but like, how do we actually get the kids to like identify the stuff that they're interested in and like what motivates them instead of, you know, just giving them this, you have to take these classes, you have to do this so that you can go to college, so you can, you know, whatever. It's like all of those extrinsic motivators and then. You know, then we get to the age, whatever we are now, Hannah, where we're just like, oh, wow, I'm not motivated by anything in this culture at all. I wonder how I can find self-motivation. Oh, God, it would have been wonderful if I learned those skills at any point right. in the past 20 years of school. Not that I'm bitter. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> it's so... Oh my God, Sam. I've, I love everything you're saying. And also, it's so amazing to me that you were are saying you were afraid of math mm. and science. Because I remember you had to take like, f- roughly, as an as a aquatic bio major, you had to take like 400 <laughs> chemistry classes. <laughs> and like, I don't understand. I'm trying to think like, why you had to do that? And <laughs> what the what, like, Ugh, like, God. like you are now, you're now like a, a lecturer. Yeah. Like, do you, do you have to use chemistry? <laughs> so you're, you're <laughs> dancing politely around the, the issue that there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that people take that you just aren't going to use. And I will say that general chemistry, there's like, there's some value in like having a basis for that. I do not use organic chemistry and I did not during my like PhD research at all. And I literally, y'all have seen the little mermaid. I feel like to get through organic chemistry, like I signed a deal with like the devil and I was just like, just get me out of this class. I will sacrifice my sanity, self-worth, whatever. Just make sure that I pass. I, I really had the bare minimum of math and science and I got into a science major. So I got into a science major and I'm taking my like intro classes, the first and second year, and they were horrible. Like I hated them. They were, they're gigantic classes, just like steamrolling through huge amounts of information, just memorize as much as you can, like take a test and just continue on. And it was so, so hard for me that I like contemplated changing my major like five times during my second year. And like, I didn't even, I didn't really... I didn't know that I was going to finish 
the prerequisites to the major, let alone get a PhD at that point. Like I was just really, I was really like down on myself because it was. So what, how did you uh, get like, dang, dude, how did you push through? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that for better or for worse, I have, I have a high threshold for pain. (laughs) 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 I was able to sort of, yeah, like I said, make, make deal with the devil, like for organic chemistry, it required basically just like hanging up all of my other interests and social life and hobbies on a shelf for like six weeks Mm -hmm. and just like doing nothing but practice problems. Um, and Mm -hmm. fortunately I had other friends who were kind of in that boat. So there was like camaraderie through the pain. Um, but for me, it, it, it was over once I got into like ecology and evolution classes because then I was just like mm-hmm. oh my gosh this is actually like I like this stuff it's actually interesting to me so it became it wasn't like the whole of college was a stressful like painful gauntlet it was like the first couple mm-hmm. years were were really really bad um and then the second two were amazing because I was like doing classes that I liked and I had hands-on um, I mean the reason why I decided to do a PhD was because of those second years I had a ton of hands-on experiences. Like I had field-based classes. Like, remember, I remember telling you and you were like, what? You get to go like <laughs> camping and like go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium as like part of your class. And that was yeah. that was so, so different than like sitting in a lecture hall. And so that was for me like, oh, I like doing hands-on stuff. It's engaging. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just continue in that direction because... I'm enjoying it. I mean, it was that, it was that straightforward. It wasn't like a deep, like I have a 20 year plan kind of thing. It was like, I'm enjoying this. I get a chance to like have hands on, like be outside and have hands on application. And like, I went to French Polynesia after my junior year for like a research project. Um, and it was just like, oh, I love traveling and, um, like learning about the culture as well as, um, the research at that point. And so I was like, well, I'll just keep going. And really, I have to say, I didn't, I didn't do my due diligence to like, think about doing a PhD. I just was like, hey, I like this. Why don't I keep going? You know, like, and that was really, (laughs) that was the extent of the thought process, you know? Oh, but Sam, Sam, I feel like you must be very gentle and kind with yourself. Because like, what? Because what else would have happened? Like, let's say you... Because, you know, I'm kind of realizing, like, I'm just so overthinking about stuff, even that, even though I, I uh, casually berate myself for never planning or like, I'm just like, I, it doesn't make a difference to me. I can't, I could like research and plan for like a hundred years and never do anything. Cause I'll be like, well, there's still like totally. probably a little more research I could do. Like, I just have to do it sure. or I'm not going to do it at for all, sure. which is like. I wish I was not that way, but well, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So Sam, Sam, I feel like that's great, dude. You were like, yeah, you're following your. I interests. have no regrets of that. I mean, I really don't. I just want to be clear, like, because I think a lot of the challenge with students and like that I talk to and work with now is they're like, I don't. They're like, I don't have it all figured out. Like maybe I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't proceed because I haven't like thought about every single potential contingency. And I'm not. I. I do not regret going to graduate school. I do not regret doing that because that was the right thing for me at the time. I was like, I'm liking this. Why don't I explore it? See where it goes, you know, and like stay open, mm-hmm. open to it. So I, I'm glad you said that, Hannah, because I mean, being mean to myself, <laughs> I am expert. I have a PhD in that. So I'm really <laughs> glad that you said that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And it's like, if you like what? Like a mad, like there is no life anyone out there where someone was like, well, luckily I thought about it and then I never had to regret anything in my entire life. Like you just do things uh-huh. and then you're like, and then you reassess. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, am I still liking this? It's a, totally okay to like something and then not like it later. Yeah. Like that's do you can, that's allowed. It totally is. You know? it totally is. <laughs> Which I was not aware of until recently. Yeah. Uh, but so Sam, Sam, what did you end up? um focusing on in your PhD area. Well, um I just want to put there's like a caveat and like a little asterisk here. Uh before I tell you what I focus on, I just want to really make it clear 
that I struggled and suffered for like two years to figure out what to focus on. It was not like, for me, it was not a straightforward, oh yes, you know, I'm just sitting around and I just am hit with like a lightning bolt of inspiration and then, oh, boom, a research project. No, it was like, it was like a, a learning, a learning process that was a struggle and a challenge. And, and because it was a struggle and a challenge, I am proud of the end result, but it was not just something that was like super easy. So with that being said, um, cause that's another thing I did not know when I was starting, um, graduate school was that, you know, like I had, you know, started to read scientific papers and the way that they're written, uh, you might think that that's how the thought process goes. <laughs> like you're just, you know, reading all of these things and you're like, oh my God, it just emerged to me this question that nobody has ever asked before. Mother of God, <laughs> why don't I just develop a project and answer it? No, it's not like that. Like it's, it's so much crazier than that. So, yeah. so my I, what I focused on um, for my PhD project, as I worked in um, French Polynesia, on an island called Mo'orea, which is like right next to Tahiti. I studied this particular species of macroalgae called Turbinaria ornata, which looks like a little corn dog. Um, it's very, it's a very <laughs> beautiful, charismatic mac- macroalgae. Um, but it's... Oh yeah, yeah. charismatic macroalgae. I will say that. Uh, people <laughs> who are listening are like, algae, really? I'm like, yes. Um, but it, it, it really is... Um, detrimental to the coral recovering. So if it's there, it inhibits the coral recovering. So I was studying what is it about this algae that makes it really effective in terms of um, uh, taking over the reef or having this shift to reefs that are dominated by macroalgae instead of coral after these disturbances. Wow. I'm just... <laughs> just taking it. Just taking it. I have not been... I've not been to a bio class in so long. This is so fascinating. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to pause so we could take a little break, but we shall come back with more facts about things and mental health in the academia world. It's time for commercial area. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. are back Backle. with my friend Sansa. So, <laughs> uh, Sansa, is getting a PhD for seven years a mentally rejuvenating experience? <laughs> <laughs> Great question, Anna. Um, I just want to say yes and no. Okay, so it's it's mentally the hardest thing that I have ever done. Uh, it was mentally so challenging. Um, however, I will say that like coming on the outside of it and like five years later, cause I finished five years ago, um, actually almost six years ago. Whoa. So I finished a while ago and have had more time to reflect. And I think, uh, graduate school for me was like a crucible. And so it put a lot of pressure on me, but I think the things that I realized and the way that I've been able to like think about things differently ultimately have been positive, but I have never experienced such mental lows as I did in graduate school, for sure. Wow. And yeah, you know, Sam Sam, what I love about our friendship is I feel like we both came to we sort of, as little teenagers, <laughs> we went out into the world. And when we graduated high school, we went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And we always stayed connected. But, like, we didn't really have any language about, like, depression or anxiety or, like, mental health. And then we just kind of had our own wonderful, horrible experiences that, like, 
so then like one day we just kind of like came back together and we're like hey so shit's fucked wow yeah, yeah. like you you could you have a therapist <laughs> right yeah you know and it's funny because and i remember you saying yeah. like oh my god you being like yeah so anyways here's what i did last week uh i flew to new zealand i gave three presentations i taught a few students um i had to work on a paper and then i had an exam and yeah that's what i did tuesday through friday <laughs> and i'd be like what the fuck <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I tell, swear to God, Sam told me this. <laughs> okay, yes. The locations were slightly different. But yeah, there's... I mean, it's like the, the fast-paced, um, high-stress environment that that was like a graduate school, at least in my field, was, you know, it's like fun at first. It's novel and fun. And I think there's still fun aspects about it. But the stress, oh my gosh, high stress high stress environment it's so frustrating too because it's like that's it's that stress where you're like this is not i am not about to be eaten by a lion and yet my body thinks i'm dying yeah because the mental yeah uh, is is so intense seriously i mean that's one of the things that i didn't have any like you said i didn't have any language about this i actually didn't read any books about mental health or self-help or whatever you might call the the genre. Um, like I, I was not that introspective. I mean, I had like a, I had like a sense of self, obviously. Um, and I did think about like how I felt about things, but I wasn't really like analytical about it. And I wasn't, um, I didn't really have like a lot of introspection until graduate school or maybe I did but it wasn't like crippling I think when when I got to graduate mm. school um the process of introspection um and like sort of examining things that you did or things that you feel or whatever became like crippling for me because part of what you're learning <laughs> which which you mentioned before like we should have learned earlier is like like critical thinking um and self directed thinking and learning. Um, and I think the learning curve was so steep in graduate school because like you need to be, you have time to learn, but you need to be like learning productively, if that makes sense, which I always found really, really hard. Like there's like a time where you're, you're learning and you're expected to be making mistakes. And like, that's how we always think about kids and like childhood. It's like, you're learning and you're making mistakes and nobody's ever like mad about it because they know that that's part of learning. But then we get to some point when we're like adults and even though we still know that learning is the same thing where it's full of mistakes, we expect you to either not have that many mistakes or make them really fast in a low stakes way and then get them out of the way and never make them again. Mm, and yes, in a very low, in a very non-embarrassing way that does not cause trouble for anybody sure, else. yeah like making it like, <laughs> and I feel like that is something you know in college I learned that because the quarter system was so fast it was like at what point did you have to like really like critically examine anything that you were taught or like ask questions about it or kind of like tear it apart to see if you could put it back together it's like no you have a quiz on Monday bitch study and then like get your A <laughs> like that's all you can do and it's just, yeah. I mean, then graduate school, it's like to another, it's like to the next level where you have, you're learning, you know, the whole point of a research program in science is that you're asking questions and trying to investigate something that nobody has done before. So you're like on your own, on like the, the front lines or the edge of the field and like people can help you, but nobody has the answers. So you're just kind of like, which is, which is something that we're not used to. Like the grad school was the first time that I was in that position. And I really think that is unfortunate in terms of education. Like, you know, everything else prior to that, everything was spoon fed. It was like, learn this thing and someone will ask you a question, but we already know that there's an answer to it. And you're just trying to figure out how close you can get to the right answer that is already known. But a PhD project there is no right answer. There's no known answer, at least. 
Um, and mm. you're trying to like make a way there. It's kind of like, I would imagine it is like, you're kind of like trailblazing through like a jungle and you're trying to like leave a trail in terms of like your logic and your process that allows you to like mm-hmm. backtrack if you make a mistake and like take another direction. But you have to learn mm-hmm. all of that because you like really the skills that I had from college were useful, but like not in any way indicative of success in grad school. Like it's just, it's a totally different world. Right. Gosh, Sam, it's so, it's like, how could they, I feel like maybe in like Socrates time, this was doable, (laughs) (laughs) but like, yeah. Like how, how can they put you through, you know, we, we went to a, a, went to a pretty standard high school Mm -hmm. where you read the chapter you underline a word in the chapter and then you write the definition and then undergrad is also kind of just regurgitating stuff and then they're like okay it's time to be brilliant yeah yeah like oh and like if they're okay it's one thing to be in that new territory but to for everyone to pretend like it's not happening or for everyone to pretend like oh this isn't terrifying or I've done this before yeah Uh, there's a in fact I am gonna try and make you feel worse because we are competing weirdly (laughs) yeah like weird competitive environment yes I mean it's it's like you said it's not that it's bad to be in the that learning zone I think it's I think it's Mm -hmm. such an important there are such important skill sets that I gained from graduate school um like I said no regrets but I think the part that was really hard for me was that I didn't know if anybody else was struggling in the way that I was. I didn't know, like I had all these feelings of being an imposter. Um, And they, you know, they call it imposter syndrome, which a lot of people don't like because they're like, syndrome really makes it feel like you have some disorder. And it's really like, what is, what is it? You're feeling like you don't belong. You're afraid of, of, I, I was afraid of failing. And I was afraid of being discovered as having no fucking clue what is going on. Um, and I didn't, but I didn't realize until like really late in the game that like a lot of people felt like this. A lot of my peers, like my graduate student peers, a lot of my like professors, a lot of people like who were ahead of me career wise, like a lot of people felt like they didn't belong or were afraid of being found out. And I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, why are we not telling each other this and like making it at least easier to be in an environment where the growth edge is severe and constant? Like, why don't we help each other in that? God, what a great statement. The growth edge is severe and constant. And that sounds very stressful and intense. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, you would want to be in the most kind compassionate and gentle environment as possible dang it's just so interesting sam because as you know i work in a university and it's like i'm always so focused on my struggles and my suffering (laughs) in this position but you know it's helpful to remember that like the professors the students the staff the postdocs the like they're all like going through with some version of like oh my god like it just each each position has its own struggles yeah and uh gosh i'll never forget when i went to a, like a little uh student a little student um i guess like during the worst of the pandemic there was this like weekly kind of check-in with students and it was like led by one professor in my department and I went to it and the students just like talked about how miserable they were the whole time, which was so great. And then the professor was like this pretty young dude, you know, he's like his first three years as a, as a, um, as a professor. And he was like, yeah, I'm a, Oh, I'm like, uh, can I try to get up for be up for tenure next year? I'm like, <laughs> just like on the verge of like a total mental breakdown. So true, Hannah. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things. Like, so I've I've been working at like the same university that I, I did my undergrad, my PhD, and now I work here. And I've also so I've been 
an undergraduate student, a graduate student, a teaching assistant, a lecturer, and a staff member. And so I've kind of like seen like the whole spectrum and everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but like people in every group are struggling and like, especially after the last couple of years, I mean, really. And I think I love that you went to one of those um, like sessions because I think it just gives you a lot of empathy for how challenging this is for everybody, regardless. Oh my gosh, it was so energizing. It was so like, of course, I'm not glad that people, but just that everyone was, it was like a space where it was not like, we're all here to be fancy and impress each other. It was like, we're here to be like, I am fucking dying. (laughs) And also I hate (laughs) Professor M because he wants me to do fucking boomer economics. You know what? I don't want to do boomer (laughs) economics. I want to do donut economics. Okay. (laughs) This is a new world. I'm 22 and this will not stand like yeah you know <laughs> I think that's so great I mean it's so great that like there's an opportunity to like have conversations like among these different groups because you like you said there's it isn't like we want everybody to be suffering but it's like if y'all are suffering and I'm suffering like we could talk about this and maybe also re- recognize is it us or is it this structure? You know, like, is it the whole system? <laughs> yeah. like if everybody is really struggling with the demands, with the isolation, with like the competitive, like the hyper competitive environment, like, is it, is it us? I mean, that's just the question that I have now. Like, is right. it, is it really us? Yeah. Is it an us problem? And my, my question would be, and this is, you know, yeah, and this is totally open-ended. Uh, is, you know, could you be, like, for example, I'm thinking of, there's a couple at my uh, department, like a married couple, and they're both professors okay. in the same department. Okay. And I'm just thinking of how, I don't know, I guess I just wonder, like, when you, if, you know, after s- decades of, unending work (laughs) teaching and papers and like all this stuff are you like oh that was so worth it or are you like you know I probably could have taken it a little bit easier just like yeah you know I don't know know. like and I don't know maybe maybe you know some of these professors do super interesting work maybe they're like oh no that was I'm so that was like the soul of my life well that was I mean that's I think that's a great question and like kind of want me I just want to say like it's it's something where I I think that people can be motivated for different reasons and be motivated to do different things and I think there is there is a world where there's there are professors who are like I'm so motivated by the work that I get to do because of like the impact that it has and, you know, I think there's a space for people to have that and have different opinions about that. And like, that was kind of, for me, like, I loved my, I love my research. I thought it was, you know, really interesting um, and compelling. And I felt like it could make a difference in terms of like the work that I did, you know, is, is directly um, relevant to managing coral reefs um, in the face of more disturbances, both like climate related and human related. So it's, it's like, it has a value. And I think if you're able to connect with like the impact, you know, there are professors and I won't, I'm not like going to shit on the whole field. There are people mm-hmm. who are doing research and I have friends like this who are really motivated and really, they want to have a positive impact in the world. Um, I think for me, mm-hmm. the reality was that I enjoyed research, but I found that for me personally, I was not able to thrive in the academic research culture. Um, oh. And yeah, it just wasn't, it's it's something where I liked research, but it wasn't the only thing that I wanted to do. And I think for, a, at least in my field, um, you really need to kind of be like single focused. Um, and that's just not me. So it was, mm-hmm. it's not something where I have... Like, I'm not going to say that I don't feel like a sense of like, damn, I wish that I was able to 
continue in academia because part of me does think like that because it would just make things a lot easier if I didn't question everything and have like little like mental spiral crises like every you know three months about like what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> it would make it a lot easier if I could yeah. just focus and just like continue with one path. But what I realized during my PhD and especially towards the end, which is why I really struggled a lot with mental health was like, you know, I was kind of in this mode where I had all these imposter feelings where I was like, why do I feel like such like a failure? Um, and like, I can't handle the idea of being a failure. And why do I feel like I don't belong here and that sometime they're going to figure me out. And it's like, part of it was I was in that growth space and I didn't feel like I had support and I had a really hard time asking people for help or like letting anybody know that I was in trouble. Um, but I also feel like part of it was I was, I was developing and learning more about myself and realizing that academic research wasn't the path that I wanted to go on anymore. And so like the imposter feelings were like, you know, it was also me telling me, Hey, this isn't what you want to be doing. Oh my God. Hold the phone. We got to snap for this realization and Sam, Sam, I'm just resonating so much with what you're saying because I feel like I spent like so much time at this job that I've been in for five oh. years miserable and then so furious with myself for being miserable yeah and like not taking that as a, just trusting that okay. I was like you don't what right do you have to be miserable like you seriously god it's it, it, like and I feel like god if only I mean this is just how it works I guess being a person I'm like if I this is humaning if I had this is humaning oh my god that's what we're gonna call this episode <laughs> um if I had the skills now that I have now from being in this job for five years, I feel I would, I, it would be so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know? I just learned the other day <laughs> for the first time that you can only do so many projects at once. Like, <laughs> like this whole time. I've been at this job, like struggling so much. And I realized so much of it was because I had this idea. Whenever anybody emails me or asks me for anything, I have to say, absolutely. Yes. Right away. And, par you know, partially I'm going to blame that on my position, but like, it might've been a completely different experience um, if I'd had the wherewithal to say, actually, I already have three projects going on right now. I'll get to that when I can. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a little bit and you're going to have to wait. I mean, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I think that's such a good, that's a good realization, you know, that if you had the skills now, five years ago, you wouldn't have had the same experience. And it's like, well, duh. Like, I think we're all in that like moment where we have to pause. Like I even had my PhD advisor once when I was just like, I'm really struggling. I don't really know what I'm doing with my my research and I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And he was like, whoa, pause. If you already knew how to do a PhD, you wouldn't be doing this. You know, like this is you learning right now. So and I'm true. like, oh yeah, yeah, like that's what we're supposed like you forget that we're here having a learning experience. And I think for me the struggle was having a learning experience in this like environment that for me was just hyper competitive and like really isolating. And I couldn't, I cannot learn in that environment. And that was a realization that I had, like, you can't really learn well when you're afraid, <laughs> like when you're scared Yay! and when you, you can't really no. learn well when you're afraid. No. Sam, Sam, this is the time to take a little break. And then Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my gosh, Sam! <laughs> this is such a beautiful. Story. Oh my gosh, Hannah! It's so good because I feel like you know, you know, like a lot of the pieces of this. Because I will say, like the last couple years of my PhD were so hard mentally, and my my natural, I guess, my inclination. At some point, I learned that you should never tell anybody. Um, when you're struggling, because then it can be used against you. Like I have this weird, like mindset of like, you can never tell anybody when you're struggling. And I always feel like I would, I would listen and support other people when they were struggling, but I had somewhere along the line learned that, um, I needed to not, you know, not talk about my own struggle and pain with people. And it probably came from, I think it was probably like third grade when I like told somebody, <laughs> seriously, I think it's like third grade when I, when I told somebody like, Oh, I really like this kid. And then they told everybody in the school and I was like, okay, this shows me that humans can't be trusted. Got it. Nailed it. Done. Sammy Davis, you are not, I mean, being shamed publicly, <clears throat> especially as a child in school by many people, that is a definitive experience. It is. Like I, it, it's a miracle any of us. It is. I mean, like, yeah, sure. that is not something that will just is like, oh, <laughs> brush that one off. No, I mean, those are Absolutely. those are core memories. And so I think like for me, it really created this environment, which I never examined until graduate school. But I never like told anybody if I was having a hard time. I always tried to like make it seem like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Try to like, you know, be be like a Pollyanna or like just, you know, smile and like move through it and be like mm-hmm. kind of positive and then like literally my brain just cracked and like the last couple years of grad school so I had to just tell people like I'm really struggling and I didn't tell everybody everything but I remember coming to you and like having some this is like when we both sort of came together with our like shared you know our separate experiences of like struggling with mental health and like we kind of like came together um to share it which was like in the last the last couple of years, but those are the worst years. I mean, really like I have had a very, an amazing life. And so those saying that those are the two worst years of my life is like, you know, in the grand scheme, it's like not the worst in the realm of human experience. But for me, those were like the hardest two years or the last couple of years of my PhD, just mentally uh, exhausting. Like my mind was just constantly in a loop of your terrible you're a failure, you're worthless, just playing like all day, all day, every day, Yeah, all day, every day. And yeah, dude, you were getting dual PhDs. You were getting a PhD in this one thing and then a PhD in Sammy Davis. That's That's right. That's incredibly, incredibly challenging. Fact. And I also was like, I mean, it was, it was just like a challenging, it was a hard time to be to be just going through a lot, like you said, like it was, it was like trying to be making an advance in a science field, but also coming against like my own limitations and like trying to grow in both of these areas was just like, I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just going to say it was horrible. Um, it was yes. horrible. And I'm sure it was also very uplifting to be on the in the discussions of climate crisis and like, <laughs> like I mean, that was, everything that was that's really, happening to our oceans. That was really challenging too. I mean, we kind of have like my friends and I who are in the field, like coral reef ecology, we kind of like joke, we have like dark humor because, you know, at some level we're kind of like chronicling the demise of the ecosystem. And it's not all doom and gloom. Like there are, you know, there are some bright spots, but a lot of it is really like it, that gets depressing as well. Like to just be constantly like we're going to conferences, we're presenting our research and like everything ends with like, 
or starts with like, you know, in facing the future of climate change and like damage to reefs uh, caused by humans. So like, you know, that's how it starts and how it ends is like, we need to really get it together and really like make some changes. <laughs> Otherwise these reefs are not coming back. And it's like just a constant sense of that was, was also and yeah, and then Depressing. simultaneously in the news, Elon Musk makes a Bluetooth chess set and sends it into space. <laughs> and the cost was five trillion dollars. Good job, oh. America. America um, number one. <laughs> well, uh, oh my goodness, Sam Sam. I just could listen to you talk all day. I know. I mean we do. Um, <laughs> we have. Yeah, we do. We have. <laughs> Sam Sam, what is what would you tell the little, for the little people born in, say, 2000, the year 2000, oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah. or perhaps even 2002, yeah. that's a no. thing, those people are 20. No, those students are in oh my, my classes, Hannah, yeah. they are in my classes, and I'll be like, I'll be like, what? remember when you had AOL Instant Messenger, and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean, what? <laughs> Look at me like Sam, oh my gosh, okay, this is like going off topic a little bit, but I want to, so I want to ask you what, what advice you would give to your, your 22 year old self, but also are there actual like uh, quantifiable differences in your students, your undergraduate students and like us as undergraduates oh, and not just, and I'm not saying like quality of work, no, but no. like. Uh, of like, uh, I don't know, just how they look at yeah. things or how they yeah. solve problems or approach yeah. the subject or whatever. I mean, so first I'm going to answer the second question and then I'm going to answer the first one. So the first, the, the okay. second question, yeah, are there quantifiable differences? So I have not conducted any studies. So I have no quantifiable <laughs> data that I am relying on. This is anecdotal yeah. data based on my experience. And I have, like, I think I was saying, anecdotal area. Um, <laughs> so the anecdotal uh, data is like, I've been at UCSB for a long time. I've been there since I was a freshman uh, with like little breaks, but really since 2004, I've been at the school. And yeah, 2004. And now it's 2022. So there's actually been like a whole new generation of human beings. So it's like I watched kind of the end of the millennials in there. But now it's like it's a different group of people. It's like a different it's a different group that has had different cultural and like, you know, formative experiences. So I definitely have noticed um, there's there are a variety of differences like. I think one of the biggest things, um, like one of the biggest things that's a negative, that is something it's hard to tease out how much like the pandemic affected this, but I feel like the, the students have been really thrown into that meat grinder we were talking about of like, like in, in their high school experiences, they have their structure to the neck with like, taking these classes, doing all this extracurriculars, being part of every single club. Like I had students applying for like a research program who, you know, they were already part of startups. Like they had already worked in a startup at like age 17. Yes. Oh my God. And they've, they've taken, you know, 10 AP classes. And I'm like, so you think, okay, wow, they have so many opportunities and they're really like taking advantage and they're really going to benefit from these. But I think like when I talk to them, it seems like they're so they're so focused on these sort of external like indicators of success. Like, have they taken the right classes? Did they go to that that fancy internship? Blah, blah, blah. That I I just sense that like they're more like they're even more lost than we were in terms of like oh, being farther away from like what it is. That, they, that interests them, that motivates them. Like I know a lot of students and I'm not saying yeah. this is their fault. Like they're, they're going to college in right before a depression. We're about to have a depression. Um, and like mm. they're, they're picking, <laughs> and we had a, we had a recession like right after we graduated, but like people are picking majors based off of like, okay, what's going to get me money. 
And I think that's important to consider for sure. Um, But it's like your, your, your lifetime happiness and like enjoyment is also something to consider. And I just, I worry about this. Indeed. And now you, there are people in your life who are going to say, no, it's not, but (laughs) you got to just trust us. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be some trade-offs and I'm not going to say like, you shouldn't major in what you want to major because it doesn't make any money or that you should pick an engineering major or whatever, because it makes a bunch of money. I just think that I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of students who have been doing what people tell them to do, like do all these classes because whatever, take these extracurriculars because whatever. And then they like chug their way to college and they have these amazing resumes. Like I'm looking at these resumes of 18 year olds and I'm just like, I have not done a fraction of that. And I have a whole ass PhD. I mean, really, like really, they're coming in here and I'm like, God, y'all are EMTs and like wilderness certified, like instructors and like, like just everything, like anything. And they, they've, they've achieved, they've ticked all these boxes because somebody told them to tick all the boxes, but then you get in the class with them and they're just like, like they have no internal like thing that motivates them. It's just, so they, so they seem kind of without passion maybe like they're kind of like I'm here I, mean, it's, I think it's in there I think it's in there but they're just there's they've been so much on that track and the track is even crazier than it was when we were in high school and it's just it's, well plus they have they grew up with social media yeah oh my gosh which I honestly cannot think of a worse oh, thing I'm to so with. sorry I mean, y'all it's, it's, I'm so sorry yeah because <laughs> it's kind of like because what do you need this you know in order to I feel like to connect with yourself you need space mm-hmm. and you need some quiet, mm-hmm. like some silence. And like social media is the opposite of space and yeah. silence. It is like, it's just, it's like, let me just walk down this street and look in all these windows to see what everyone else is doing. And then I can see well, how I'm doing compared to them. Oh, and like, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me for you, if you, for you to say, Sam, like, yeah, this generation is like more lost than ever because social media is 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 like its function is for you to lose yourself yeah. like that's yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the real the reality you live in with your waking body and mind it's like it uh it's just so bonkers it is and i and i do think it's bonks, it's, it's like bonkle area um i do <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bonkers. i do feel that these these kids who have like grown up with social media i really like uh, i really feel like we we just like narrowly escaped that because I, I I just really Dude. feel for it I really feel for it and I read once like this article that was talking about um how you know when we all had probably everybody growing up has an experience where you something happens at school and either you say something that offends somebody or they say something that hurts your feelings or whatever and then like you know, you go home and you like kind of mope about it or think about it like all weekend. And then like, you know, on Monday you go back and you kind of have an idea of like how you're going to talk to them. Um, but you have like space to like reflect on the thing that happened and like think about like how you felt about it, sort of integrate it and like go and then figure out what you're going to do. But the article was saying that now there's no space to process this. It's like what you were saying, They the all of it comes home with you. So like, somebody makes fun of you at school, you go home, literally you get online and it's still going on. Like it's still there or people are talking about it. It's like, there's no space for you to escape it, to reflect on it, to think about it, to like, you know, work your way through it. It's just a constant thing. And I, and I do, I do not pretend to be an expert on that at all, but I do feel like, I think that can only be like a negative in terms of the, the mental health and the development of of people today. And, and it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been teaching or I've been at a university for so long that like, I'm able to see like when I started like sort of teaching, it was, um, or when I started like, yeah, being a graduate student, I was working with people who are like my generation and like teaching in that capacity. So it was like people who grew up without the internet, really like Facebook started when we were freshmen in college. And then now I'm all the way at the other side where the students that I have now were born in like, 
2000, 2001, um, for the most part. And so they grew up and like Facebook was around when they were four years old. So it's like they had it probably when they were in elementary school, middle school. I mean, and that's to me, there's a lot in there and it's not just, you know, it's not just social media. There's a lot of like things that have changed culturally and like structurally since we were kids and and these y'all, these kids are. But anyway, I think the things that I've noticed is that I really feel like they've gotten really good. Uh, The students now have gotten really good at like checking the boxes and like looking, making themselves look really good on paper. But then when you talk to them or you ask them like what it is that they want to do, or you ask them to like integrate that stuff. Like for example, they, they have all the experience, like writing for their high school newspapers or you're like, okay, like write this thing and like critically examine this topic. It's like, no, uh, it's like the depth. It's like they have a breadth, but not a depth. And this is not like my experience for every single person, but it's something that I've started to notice. Gosh. Yes. Interesting. Well, cause yeah, depth takes space uh-huh. and time uh-huh. and it's slow. Uh-huh. And I feel like even with myself, I have to remind myself, like, especially right now, I'm like in this life transition. Like yesterday, I just had such a rough day. I was like, Hannah Gelb, like, fix your life. Hello. Come on. Let's go. You, what? It's, it's already 3 p.m. You haven't fixed your life? Like, <laughs> Hannah, <laughs> slacking. Like, I have to, I have to be like, no, it doesn't, life is not a, like a social media feed. Like, it's not just like, boom, 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 boom. Yep. Like, it's slow and, um, frustrating and non-linear but like but that's how it's yeah and non-linear and that's okay and but and then the culture at the same time it's like actually you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) you should have figured this out three years ago okay great and it should be like pretty tidy like kind of just all up in a box you know like bam 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 uh, to conclude I don't know how anyone is functioning. (laughs) My dear friend, Sam, Sam, we are going to have to stop because we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. I know. I mean, we could really talk forever. We might have to make this a two-parter or, you know what, Sam, Sam, we're just going to have to come back because you are delightful and I like you and you have great things to say. I want to come back. Anytime you guys want me to come back, I want to come back. Joy. (laughs) Well, guys, Earbuds, thank you so much for listening. And as you know, you can find me and the podcast on Handalize Pod at Twitter and Instagram. And you can also become a patron of this podcast at patreon.com slash handalize this. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. That is less than a chai latte. Oh my God. At a local coffee shop in my neighborhood. I mean, you can, it's inflation. Inflation is crazy. Speaking of students and crate and college, like okay, when I started college, a cup of coffee was like a dollar twenty-five. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Sam, Sam, if people want to know more about you or follow you on the social medias that we just disparaged well, a little bit, okay, what? <laughs> where, where can they find more info about so you? First, or just talk to you. Tuckles to me. So the first thing I have to say is I have a very complicated relationship with social media, and I'm not mm. sure how. I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure how to be on social media, y'all, like without losing my mind. I'm not sure how to do it. So I don't, I don't have a personal social media account to share, but I do want to share, um, while after graduate school, some friends who are in the field that I am in and also in other scientific fields, um, started a science outreach, um, nonprofit. And we have talked about a lot of the topics that Hannah and I discussed today, uh, and especially related to graduate school and deciding whether it's a good fit for you and mental health in graduate school, um, as well as the cool science that we do. So um, we have a really diverse group of scientists, um, and I would love for you all to check us out. We are at uh, sciall.org, S-C-I-A-L-L.org which stands for Science for All. And you will see yours truly there. Um, I'm in a few of the videos, but we've got like a really great group. So it's not just me 
talking about my experience, but there's a lot of different experiences and I would love for you to check it out. Oh, wonderful. And um, I will for sure put that link on um, our social medias so you can all see yes. it. That sounds awesome, dude. You should put the link on. Um, and then if you want to email me, I do have an email address. It's contact at sammydavis.net. And if you go to sammydavis.net, you'll see I'm incredibly delinquent on like actually updating the website, but you can email me. And I would love to talk to anybody uh, about Lord of the Rings or <laughs> graduate school or any of the topics that we discussed today, except Johnny Depp. Sam, Sam, it has been such a delight to have you. And I'm so excited to uh, be continue being your friend for the rest of my life. So thank you very much. And earbuds, we will see you next time. Bye, earbuds. Bye. Bye. We love you. <laughs>